Hello, everybody. Welcome. Malcolm Teasdale here, the travel addict. Hope everyone is doing okay. Today, I am guest-less, just taking a break, and uh, that will be back in action this upcoming week, where I've got three fabulous guests joining me for a podcast for about an hour each. Right now, we're going to look at something different. Now, you probably know I've had five books published in their entirety, plus an audio book. The very first book I wrote dates back, I would say, about 15 years. It was called Travel Diaries of an Atypical Businessman. Travel Diaries of an Atypical Businessman. However, that has been republished fairly recently, sort of the same title, but with a little addition. The book was republished as Travel Diaries of an Atypical Businessman Unfiltered. Yeah, there's a reason for that. When I first wrote this book, well, I had to confess to myself in recent years that there were some chapters in there I probably should have been more outright with, more honest. Instead, I was probably a little bit shy, or maybe I thought I was going to get into trouble by writing it. I don't know what my thought train was at that time. It was my first book. So, you know, I'm a little bit older now, and to be honest with you, I care less <laughs> than I did before. So it was time to republish this book, and there were a number of chapters that I had to edit. Now, I went to a number of places, because at the time, I was traveling extensively on business, hence the name of the title of the book, Travel Diaries of an Atypical Businessman, Cairo, Egypt. Moscow, Russia, Geneva, Switzerland, Bogota, Colombia, and I even added one chapter that for some reason I missed before, and that was to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Now, these chapters I mentioned, I added stuff to them. Some of the stuff before was hidden, or I just decided not to put it in at that time for whatever reason. I don't know what I was thinking. So I've added bits to it to come right out and tell you the truth of why I was actually in these places. Now, if you haven't read the book or haven't seen it on the bookshelves, you can get it at the usual places. Um, Amazon, of course, Barnes & Noble. All the chapters are about, obviously, travel expeditions, if you wish, or adventure. But there are a few chapters in there that are quite meaningful today. And that's the reason why, that is a real reason why I've decided to um, mention this to you. Now, based on what's going on in the world right now, yeah, it's pretty chaotic. We've had COVID and uh, people aren't turning up for work or companies have not as much staff as they used to. Things are falling apart. We see it all over and with the war in Ukraine as well. So here we go. The book. Now, the first chapter is one called The Organized Chaos of Airline Travel. Yes, the airline uh, situation right now is a bit chaotic. All over, in fact. I don't know how many flights I've had my itinerary changed on or the departure time and arrival time. It's happened several times lately. I've heard what's going on in the airports in England as well is pretty chaotic. So suffice to say, this chapter which I wrote many, many years ago, The Organised Chaos of Airline Travel, actually 
seems very apropos right now. So check that one out. It's all about the airports checking in, airport lounges inside the cabin, airplane toilets, food, drink, baggage handling, frequent flyer benefits. It's all worth listening to because you know what? It's all relevant today. The next chapter is called The Challenges of Languages, Dialects, Accents, Cultures, and a Combination of None of the Above. Now, you can tell I have an accent. I was born and raised in England, although I've been living in the United States for many, many years now. So my accent is pretty much diluted, although a lot of people listening to this will probably disagree with that statement. Well, even my English friends say, stop faking that American accent. Eh, whatever. But here's something of importance as well. We should all be aware of other cultures in the world. I've learned a lot more, especially since I've been doing the podcast. I've spoken to a lot of people from all over the world, and I've traveled extensively. I've been to 108 countries to date. It's a learning experience for me. And one thing I've learned is to have a lot of respect the way people live in all parts of the world. Typically, they live that way because they want to. And of course, there's languages, dialects, accents, and the culture of the people, but there's also what comes into play is misunderstanding and interpretation, you know? And we need to be aware of that. So if someone says something to you that you think is quite rude, they probably don't didn't mean it that way. So this chapter in itself is a strange name of a chapter, of course, but it has some relevancy today. Now, moving on. With regards to travel, when we go to the airport, we park a car. And this is all about Atlanta Airport. You know, the busiest airport in the world, because I used to fly out of there extensively on a weekly basis almost. Chapter called The Science of Parking Lots. Right. And if I did a podcast about that a few months ago, by the way, Science of Parking Lots. There is, in fact, well, I believe, a deep down theory about how they design parking lots. Okay. Now, I fell flat on my face once. I got to the airport many hours before my flight, and I still missed the flight. Yeah, you want to hear about it. Well, I hit the road. International travel was huge for me. Uh, it had to be. But when I hit the road, I had to learn about the culture of a country. And from a business perspective and a personal perspective, very important, and even take some history with me. So when I sort of start a conversation with these people, I talk about some of their history, and they like that. It all helped me to be sort of successful in international business. So let's start off with Mexico, a chapter called Mexico. <laughs> Seemed quite appropriate as well. Now, I've been to Mexico quite a few times, uh, to, mainly to Mexico City, which is chaotic in itself. And you know what? I had to adjust the way I felt about uh, Latin America, people from Latin America have wonderful work ethics, all right? They start early and finish late, all right? They may have long lunches, all right. But that's all right. I had a great time down in Mexico. I met some great people, and I learned a lot. That was my introduction to Latin America. Move forward. Salvation in Salvador was my escapades in the country of El Salvador and Guatemala, right? El Salvador was a bit unnerving at that time because it had been through a little bit of, I want to say not civil war, but some time of disturbance. So you can read about that salvation in Salvador. The next chapter 
is called the world's most dangerous place and beautiful women. What am I talking about? The Latin American country of Colombia. I went to Bogota twice. I went to Medellin, uh, Colombia. And I also have since been to Cartagena uh, two or three times as well. Now, the time I was going there, well, it was a little bit of a, a difficult time because of the drug cartels, right? There was some violence in the country. It's not like that at all now. There's some violence in the country, so I had to be careful of that. But all that being said, I got along with the people there. They were just great. They have good stakes as well. And I mentioned the women because, yes, I thought they were beautiful. People like myself may think that. I don't mean to be uh, insulting or discredit anything, but, you know, it's a compliment to the ladies of that country. Moving further south. I ended up in Peru, the capital city of Lima. Yes, this chapter is called, Hi dear, I'm at the police station in Lima. All came about because I phoned home when I got there. I, yes, I was working at the police station. But my significant other didn't know that at that time. I didn't know I'd be working there until I got there. Anyway, I called up. I said, Hi dear, I'm at the police station in Lima. Click, the line went dead. So suffice to say, there was a little bit of a panic back home, you know. I'm at the police station. What was I doing in Peru? Did I get myself in trouble? All these possible causes of me being in a police station came to mind. I survived. Everything was just fine. Look back on it and laugh, of course. Further south, the country of Argentina. This chapter is called Tango in the Night, Football in the Day. No, I didn't do the tango, but I did go to a football game, a.k.a. soccer game, between two local rivals. Oh, oh, oh. That was quite something. But looking back, a Brit going to Argentina? Hmm, is this a good idea? Does anyone remember the Falklands War? You may well do. Yes, Britain went to war with Argentina about that speck of land east of Argentina called the Falkland Islands. Yeah, it didn't last particularly long, but it's there. That feeling was there. The second thing about Argentina is when England were playing Argentina in the quarterfinals of the World Cup one year, a very important game, and that famous footballer, Diego Maradona, Scored, I don't know if it was a winning goal, but it knocked England out. That goal was called the Hand of God. <laughs> Diego's passed on, unfortunately. Fabulous player, but that has lived um, in the memories of English people forever, and Argentinians as well. <laughs> Moving on. The new chapter here about Latin America, about me visiting Rio de Janeiro. When I first mentioned this to my partner in crime, he said, Get out of me, you're not going to Rio, are you? And by the way, when you're there, I suppose they've got the carnival happening. Well, of course, that wasn't the case. Yes, I went to uh, Rio de Janeiro. This chapter is called Gringo on the Loose in Rio. I also went to Sao Paulo as well, not long after that plane crash there, by the way. So, yes, I met the people down there, real friendly, super place Rio, and obviously you've heard of Copacabana Beach. But the general manager I met of the company I was seeing there, he said, Malcolm, Great to meet you. Glad you're here. 
But just a word of warning, be careful what you do at nighttime. Don't go out, walk in the streets and, you know, keep out of the bars. I sighed, why not? Well, because you're a gringo, he said. A gringo? Yeah, a gringo. I'm a foreigner. I stand out like a sore thumb. I didn't really take that advice. I did go out of the town, went to a few pubs, even found an Irish pub. There's more to that than meets the eye. But there in Rio, I did go to a local soccer game as well, which was quite extraordinary between two of our local rivals. Great experience. Moving on. The islands allow extra time and take extra money. I'm talking about the Caribbean islands. Yes. Been to a few of these. Every island has its own personality, has its own culture. Mannerisms, if you wish. Where did I go to? Name a few. Cayman Islands, Barbados, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Turks and Caicos, Antigua, Belize, Aruba, Trinidad and Tobago, to name a few. And, yeah, they are sort of stuck in their ways and they're on island time. And I had to adjust, but it's all part of the fun. I go back to the Caribbean quite a lot these days because I really like it down there. So, up next are some of the chapters where um, I had to change because remember what I said before, I changed them because I didn't want to tell the honest truth back when I first wrote the book all those years ago. So, I edited them. Now, the first one up is called Geneva Fever. Yes, I went to Geneva, Switzerland. Geneva is known as a center of diplomacy for the United Nations and many international organizations around the world. Communications between members need to be problem-free 24-7, all the time, if anything urgent came up. Now, there was a disruption there on the communications between all of these nationalities, all of the officers, due to equipment incompatibility and there were some technical issues that needed an immediate resolution. Now, I work for the company whose equipment was used quite widely over there. And the, the person responsible was actually a sales guy for underselling the equipment in the first place, but there were technical issues. So, suffice to say, off to the United States mission, I went on very short notice uh, to resolve these issues. And... It was a successful trip. I learned a little bit about how all these nations of the world communicate on a scale like this. Hotline switch office, it was quite interesting, really. Now, the next chapter is called Gulf Crisis. What Gulf Crisis? Who remembers the Gulf Crisis? This is when Iraq invaded Kuwait. Now, recently, I had a gentleman on as a guest who was living in Kuwait when Iraq invaded them. Brutal. I had to go to the U.S. Embassy in Cairo during the first Gulf crisis. The U.S. Embassy was the largest embassy in that region of the world, and it was a hub for communications for the whole area. So there are some technical issues. Off I went to the Gulf situation to Cairo, Egypt, to fix these communication problems, technical communication problems, in spite of of pushback from my company and the lack of support by other employees who should have gone, not me. I was managing a technical support organization at the time. I decided to go. I thought that was more important. But the funny thing about it was 
I was not a citizen of the United States at that time. However, I was going to the U.S. Embassy. Okay, I made the decision to go, but that triggered an extensive background check. Yep, the United States, in their wisdom, well, I don't blame them, did a, a thorough a background check on me, where I was born and raised and all that stuff. I think my parents even got a phone call about that, which must have freaked them out. Anyway, at the end of the day, I was there for a week and a half, fixing all the communication problems, and I got out of there. Obviously, I'm still here today. President George H. Bush would have been proud if he knew. Moving on. Well, what happened, big event sort of happened after the Gulf crisis. Well, a lot did. But the next chapter is probably the biggest change. The gusty winds of change. That's the title. There's a phrase in there that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Winds of change. More about that in a minute. I had to go to Moscow during the end of the Soviet Union. December 1991, those last few days of the Soviet Union's existence, I was in Moscow. I got a call from the U.S. State Department said, Malcolm, we need you to help us out here in Moscow. If you remember back then, the U.S. Embassy had an extension put on, but when they put that building on, it was bugged, those bugs in the wall to eavesdrop on all the communications. The only piece of equipment in that new embassy was a part I had to work on, believe it or not. So I sucked it up and went there. They asked me if I was a citizen yet, and the answer was still no. I was working on it, but I was not a citizen so suffice to say, I ended up in Moscow during the final days of the Soviet Union. In fact, I left two days before Mikhail Gorbachev left office. Extraordinary events there, obviously during that period of time, the end of the Soviet Union, and it's relevant today. Russia is in Ukraine, or why, may you ask, is Russia trying to build the Soviet Union again? Is that what Putin wants to do? Who knows? But what I learned is we don't want to go down that road again. You know, I was there during that time. I've been back to Russia in St. Petersburg, Russia, a few times, and the place is wonderful. Nothing against the Russian people, by the way. They were just great while I was there. I even took my chauffeur driver who drove me from the hotel to the embassy each day. I took him and his son to the Russian circus one night. They'd never seen it before. How about that? So very fulfilling trip. I had to edit this chapter to tell everybody out there the truth of why I was there. Oh, by the way, the gusty winds have changed. Yes, I did bump into the legendary band, the Scorpions, while I was there. They were in the lobby of my hotel. So that's why I call this chapter the gusty winds of change, because a lot was happening at that time. They were there playing the Kremlin uh, for Mikhail Gorbachev, and they gave a lot of their royalties to him, by the way. That's what I understand. Okay, moving on. Going Dutch in a roundabout way. This was my trip to the great country of the Netherlands, but I stopped over in Iceland in February. Not many hours of daylight there. Pretty darn expensive place, by the way. Did I freeze? No. It was just great. Friendly place, stayed in Reykjavik. Okay, so that's on my way over to the Netherlands. I was there in the Netherlands for a trade show for my company. We uh, rented space and put a booth up there. It's the only trade show I've been at where at 10 o'clock in the morning, people are walking in with pints of beer. <laughs> only in the Amsterdam. Great stuff. Dutch people are great, by the way. Moving on, you're out in Africa. 
yeah, it's my trip, my first trip to Africa, southern part. Yes, I was at uh, South Africa, Johannesburg, and Sun City for a convention. Um, interesting, very interesting. I'm glad I went there. Uh, my father was stationed in Rhodesia for part of his time in World War Two, by the way. And that is now called Zimbabwe. So I went to Zimbabwe, and that was a bit edgy because it was under the rule of Robert Mugabe at the time, and we know about him. But I also went to Zambia, and uh, that's after I'd finished the trade show, and I got to see the spectacular uh, Victoria Falls. And I also got to see a few animals from a safari. Read about this. is great. I'm happy to be going back there in August to visit Namibia and Tanzania. Looking forward to that. Next chapter, the chore in Bangalore, my first visit to India. And I found a business partner there. It fell flat on its face. I learned the hard way. We set up a a booth at a trade show. It was okay. I learned the hard way. Um, Language barrier, a little bit. Culture difference, big. And that's when I started making a point of learning about foreign cultures before conducting business there pays off in the long run so yeah i went to uh, bangalore india southern part of india i've been back four times since to delhi by the way and saw the taj mahal on one trip chore in bangalore it's laughable now you'll probably laugh at this when you read it moving on to asia nothing could be finer than china i went to china primarily beijing but i also spent time in hong kong collectively i've been to hong kong about eight times Right, So I went to Hong Kong and China, but this chapter also includes my visit to the Philippines and Malaysia. So sort of, I love Asia actually as a a continent, uh, very culturally rich. But um, China's been on the news lately of their questionable support for Russia. Not the easiest to do business with from the West, but it was all right. I quite enjoyed working with them. I met a lot of Chinese people, and uh, to me, the ones I met were very nice, no problem at all. Then I did a trade show in uh, Japan, Chiba, Japan, which is just outside of Tokyo. I did spend an extra couple of days in Tokyo, rush hour with luggage in Japan. Now, who would do this except stupid me? I took trade show materials on one of their public trains during rush hour. They hated me there. They really did. Oh, and why are Japanese beds in hotels all short? I don't know. Just me. Um, but yeah, Japanese. I love Japan, by the way. Great. Spotlessly clean, crime-free, um, rich in culture. Uh, love it. Yeah, I've been back there a couple of times, but rush hour with luggage in Japan details my trade show escapades. Now, finally, last chapter is a great down under. This is when I visited Sydney, Australia, just a great city. Long way to get there, but it was all right. So I traveled to Sydney, checked in my hotel. The phone rang, my sister on the phone. And she told me that my father had just had a heart attack. Australia is probably the furthest country away from England. What about that? Just brutal. I dealt with it as best I could of the situation. He survived, by the way. That's fine. But it's obviously stressful. So I went to uh, Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane, all great cities, loved the place. And afterwards, 
took a few days off to visit the great island of Fiji. So all of these places were part of my business trips, but I'm more outgoing now when I tell you exactly what went on in these places, why I was there, because a lot of people question some of the places I go to. I get it, even more so now, because I'm more of an adventure guy than anything. Well, that's fine. Um, so it's a worthwhile read, and uh, the book was well-received uh, by the marketplace, so that's good. Um, and there's a section at the end of the book called My Personal Opinions About Travel Stuff, The Best and Worst of Stuff, Best Hotel, Worst Hotel, Best Beach, Worst Beach, etc., etc. Lots of personal information there. You get a good laugh at it. You may object to what I say. I don't know if you will. So I do expect some hate emails. Anyway, that's it. So the Travel Diaries of the Atypical Businessman, Unfiltered, is now back on the shelves, or at least audible from Amazon and the likes. Okay, it's a good read, entertaining, and uh, I learned a lot from all of my travels. Just to let you know, travel to me is very educational. I still do it today. Not so much on real business, but for adventure purposes. The more places I go, the more places I want to go to. Yes, the bucket list gets longer. Thanks for joining me, folks. Have a good day. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. And look out for my upcoming podcast. I've got some great guests coming up. See you later. (music) 